Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. The following is the Spirit World Center podcast. If you have any questions about the spirits or shamanic training, you can visit our website at spiritworldcenter.com. And now, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center podcast. Today, we are having a Spirits and Seekers episode where we interview interesting spiritual practitioners about their life and about their spiritual practice and any kind of synchronicities or paranormal events that they've had throughout their life. And today I'm joined by Whitney Walker. Whitney is a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in addictions and trauma. She's also a spiritual coach, a tarot reader, And she's also the owner of the Women Waken, a movement dedicated to the return of the divine feminine and bringing these energies back into our world. And she's also the host of the Women Waken podcast. Uh, So Whitney, so glad to have you here. And I turn things over to you. Can you tell the listeners a bit about you and, and your path and what's brought you to this point where you are now? Yes. Well, hello, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's fantastic to have you here, Whitney. It was so wonderful to have you and Lalva on my show a few months ago, back in December. And so this is a real treat to get to come on the spiritual network and talk all about us and spirituality and a little bit of my story. What, what is it that you are doing at the Women Waken uh, movement? And, and, uh, and what is that movement about? Yeah. Well, for me, uh, it really came about based on my work as a therapist, but then also what we're going to talk about here is my personal journey into spirituality, my path of spirituality and what it kind of opened my eyes to. And really again, what it comes down to is just my bigger vision for what's happening at this time on this planet. What is this all about? What is all of the upheaval? What's, what are these times? What are these situations? Why are we in the place that we are? And it brings me back to being a therapist, which is I, a big part of the reason why I became a therapist was I struggled with many, many things growing up. I struggled from, um, childhood trauma, later life trauma, addiction, eating disorders, just a whole plethora of things. Right. And I found that so many of my, my addictive tendencies were based, you know, they were coping skills. They were means to, avoid and to soothe the things that I'd been through, but also a means of, it was, it was destruction. You know, when you have had these things happen that really make you question your acceptability and your worthiness and lovability, you, you do things to yourself that are, are harmful rather than loving. Right. And so I had to go through my own recovery. I got sober when I was 28 and I had a horrible time getting sober. It was really rough. And I went to therapy and I started doing groups and all of that. And it finally enabled me to kind of open my eyes and see, you know, what was that all about? And why is this happening at record numbers, right? Like addiction is just pervasive across our planet amongst our species. Um, it's a horrific thing that inflicts so many people. And I just started thinking so much about that. Like, why are we all so self-destructive? You know, what's going on here? And long story short, we can get into it more, but you know, you asked about my movement and it's about the idea that we are so self-destructive because we don't know who we are. We're very disconnected from source, the true source of who we are, what we are, spiritual beings, right? 
And therefore, when you don't know who you are, you're going to constantly try to be seeking out something that will define you, that will give you comfort, right? So we seek means in the material world that are not real, that are not really aligned with what our true nature is. So Women Waken is about this idea that what's been lost on this planet is the divine feminine energies. We've really gone really far to one side with the masculine energies, which are wonderful. You know, it's the yin and the yang. You, you want both. But when you're missing a complete side of the energies, there's a total imbalance. Things topple over and there's a lack of presence that is essential. And that presence is the divine feminine, which is about balance, harmony, compassion, love, rooting, grounding, foundation, all those energies that keep us invested and nurturing in, in where we are so that we can grow and be innovative and productive, which is again, the masculine. So it's like a tree you root and then you grow. But right now we, our focus is all on growth and not about rooting. So what needs to happen, which I believe will enable the decrease of self-destruction of addiction of all of these things that we struggle with, you know, also illnesses, depression, anxiety, all these things that we have just come to see as commonplace. I don't believe they have to be this way, not to this scale. If we have this better understanding. So that's what my movement is about is to begin sort of introducing this concept more and more and, and allowing it to not be something that just seems um, very sort of out there and mystical and esoteric, but just really practical. And the, just a more actually realistic, like realism and that the way that we're living now is not realistic. It's very, um, you know, disruptive and, and not conducive to flourishing. And so if we can engage in a way that is more conducive to those things, we're all going to have a better experience and it will enable balance, which is better for everyone. So I'm still, it's still in the works. Um, I have just launched a website, which is really based around my practice, but I want to grow that and let it be more about my movement. And I've started the podcast and that was a big step for me. And as you know, you know, having a podcast is really cool because you suddenly have a little beacon out into the world, right? You're doing something and especially conversational based podcasts, which is what you and I both do. Sorry for the noise in the background. <laughs> There's oh, no worries. Work, working no in the worries. backyard. I can, can hardly hear. Can hardly okay, hear. Okay, good, 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 good. I thought it was blaring. Yeah. So um, I've started doing the podcast, which I always interview people who are aligned with doing the sort of work that is, it's, they're bringing forth those divine feminine energies that are coming to them. And as I'm going to talk to you on the, about on the show is that a lot of people experience spirituality by this sort of, you know, we call it intuition, instinct, this negging that kind of comes to you and you think, what, what is this? What is this idea? Why do I feel called to do this or to go to this place or to look into this topic? And to me, it's that sort of the spirit world around us wanting to really guide us on our path that, that leads us to what we truly came here to do, which I think we all are here right now to create, to enable change and shift. Um, we're all here now to enable healing because there's a lot that can be healed right now. It's so true. It's, uh, I really love the mission statement of what Women Waken is doing. That is absolutely fantastic. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm looking at your website right now too, and it's a fantastic website. I suggest that everyone goes and checks it out. It's womenwaken.com. 
And uh, I'm curious, what kind of, of practical um, methods and methodologies and, and, and uh, guidance uh, are you providing through Women Awaken for people to have this, this reconnection with the divine feminine? Yeah. Well, the first step as always is within, right? It starts with you. And that's definitely been my journey is that I, I didn't, I, these doors didn't open to me until I committed to my own work or really just started doing my own work. It's not about like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, do that. It was, my life was kind of falling apart. And so I had to look inside and say, what's going on here? Why, why am I so devoid of connection? Why do I feel so lost? And it was when I started doing that work. And for me, I I had to get sober because I was, you know, had addiction with drugs and alcohol and food and sex and so many things. And that kind of had me look at, well, who am I really? You know, um, I don't think I am just this person desperate to be accepted, to be loved, to be acknowledged. Um, I think there's a soul here. (laughs) I think there's something older than time, something, you know, infinite, something really powerful and amazing, but I'm minimizing it. And why is that? So it starts with looking at you because everything is a macro to our micro, right? Everything we see at a world scale is happening within us. And so what I found is that my rejection of myself, my fears, um, you know, the things that held me back, um, the traumas I experienced, the beliefs I held about myself, you can see those on a grand scale in all of the world, which is again, a preoccupation more so with the external rather than the internal, you know, I am what I do rather than I am just period, (laughs) period. That's it. I am. And that's all that matters. We say I am because it's everything's conditional, right? And so when you take a step back to look at, well, where am I making conditions about myself? Where am I saying, well, I'm a value. If this, I am lovable. If I am worthy, if um, the, then that's, what's playing out on the broader scale. So first we look within and we see, you know, how do we align? How do we heal? And then align with our true self, with our highest self, with our authentic self. And then that's when the magic kind of happens where your gifts just kind of start coming out, you know, cause you're aligned, right? Like when something aligns, that's when the light can come through. That's when, you know, the channels are opened. And when our channels are open, we're tapped into that infinite source and the things that can come out of there are, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's everything, right? It's remarkable. It's the infinite. It's the, the great and wonderful, (laughs) you know? And when that stuff starts coming through, you get ideas. I mean, that's where things, every, every achievement that we've seen in the history of mankind came when people were very clear about what they believed and what they believe was possible and knew so strongly that it could happen, that they opened that channel to allow access to that infinite universe knowledge right? So true. So true. And it, it takes a lot of courage and, and uh, to step out from our society's preconceptions and actually open oneself up to that. I really love your, uh, your message there about all these conditional statements, right? I'll be worthy if, and, you know, um, and it's such a, an amazing thing to realize, look, you're already worthy everyone is worthy just by existing. And now you as a person can determine, you know, are you going to feel worthy uh, by basically 
deciding what values you are going to put on your life. And you can absolutely decide in this moment that you are going to feel completely and utterly worthy and happy in this, you know, ultimately a billionaire, you know, who has done all these things may not feel worthy at all. While as someone who is, you know, pumping gas is for a living is going, it can feel absolutely and unbelievably worthy and valuable and, and happy. And it really is just that, that mindset where you realize, okay, I am already worthy, right? Both the billionaire and the guy pumping gas are both inherently worthy, but it's about realizing that inner worthiness that, that doesn't come from any, uh, from any conditional statements or ifs. So I really like that, uh, that message that you have there. So, so Whitney, it, it sounds like you've had a life of um, a lot of synchronicities that have pushed you along to where you are now. And it sounds like a lot of that started when you started waking up in about 2019. But can you take us way back? Can you take us back to where it all started? It sounds like you were uh, interested in things like the paranormal and the, the occult at a young age. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting because my, my dad, who's never seemed interested in any of that, he's a, he's a doctor, he's a psychiatrist. And, um, so he was all, you know, very much like, oh, science. And we focus on this and, and that's great. It helps a lot of people, but he, you know, kind of shunned anything that was, you know, sort of esoteric, but then we've had conversations where he's revealed to me that when he was young and he was back in like the day and he was a hippie in the seventies and all that. And until he, you know, grew up and had to get a job and go to school and, he told me, he said, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a magician and I used to try and play with energy. Like, you know, he was, he was into like the I Chi or no I Ching is I Ching. Yeah. And all these sort of things. So I think that I came from a lineage of people who were interested in this in like working with energy and, and spirit. Um, but it wasn't told to me, you know, I, I grew up in very much a household that was not religious, but nothing else, you know, it wasn't like you know, and conducive to exploring these types of things, except for, I, I'll say my main avenue was, um, scary movies as a child, my parents love scary movies. So I would always sneak in and they'd be watching, you know, some movie about, you know, ghosts or, you know, whatever it was possessed people. And I was just fascinated. I was so fascinated with anything that was a little bit mysterious or scary or supernatural. Right. And so it's like, not like the thriller or the slasher horror, but like the supernatural horror. Right. I, I was yeah. very similar in that I was completely and utterly drawn to that stuff as well. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And any, any, from a young age, anytime anyone had any story about like aliens or ghosts or spirits, I was like, tell me everything, you know, right now, tell me every, I was just, I loved it because I, and I think what it was is I just knew I still had that knowing that that is just as real as you and I sitting here talking. There's a whole world out there that we disregard just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And I think that I innately intuitively have always remembered that in this lifetime. And so it felt like something I wanted to connect with. And so I would, I was always seeking out, you know, scary movies. My favorite author, so since I was like sixth grade, I started reading, reading Stephen King. I just adored him because first he's just like a beautiful writer, but he was into all that stuff, right? He has all these kind of like mystical sort of supernatural concepts. Um, so yeah, so that's how I really kind of 
got into it and then was just always fascinated and seeking out those type of stories and situations. And I, I always was really drawn to people who they were having supernatural experiences, even though I wasn't, I had a lot of friends, um, through high school, even who would tell me that they saw spirits and that actually like spirits would surround them, like when they went to bed and that they hated it. And it was really scary. And I would say, Oh my gosh, I wish that would happen to me. Like, what is it like? What do they say? And they actually never wanted to talk about it. It made them very uncomfortable. Cause I mean, I guess when it really happens to you, it's just kind of, you know, and you don't know what it is. It's unpleasant. Right. That's fascinating how horror was a, it, almost, it sounds like a gateway drug for you and <laughs> that it, it allowed drug. you to well, interact with these concepts, but without, um, uh, you know, without having to delve into, uh, into practice yet, uh, it, it allowed you to kind of get a sense of, of, of what was out there. Um, and, you know, that, that is so common with uh, people who are having these experiences at a young age as well. These, the friends that you had at that time, it's, it's one of these things where when it's happening to you, absolutely. It, it, it's something you almost want to shut out if you don't understand it, right? If you don't have anyone around who can help you uh, to guide you in, in those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I can totally see that, you know, I mean, it's, it's alarming and, and, and it's continued on. I've had many friends, um, that are continuously contacted or reached out to, and, and they wish they could just shut it off. Um, because it, again, it can get overwhelming at times. And, and it is interesting to me. And I think we talked about this on, on my show with you and Lava is that why some people kind of have this channel open and will have spirits approach them and other people don't. Yes. Yeah, that is, it is quite interesting. I mean, sometimes it's, it's childhood experiences that lead to that. Sometimes it's trauma. Sometimes it's some people are just born that way. It's very, it's very curious. What, uh, what is at play there? Um, but I mean, ultimately the spirits and the spiritual realms are open to, to all of us, right? Even if some people have this innate <laughs> advantage, um, I know, you know, myself, I've definitely had to work at it. I was this kid who was fascinated with the paranormal and yet had, you know, didn't have any paranormal experiences themselves, had a lot of synchronicities. I'm sure this is going to be a, a, a story that feels very, very uh, relatable to you as well. And, you know, eventually, you know, I wind up meeting Lauva, who's had these experiences from a young age and never had to really work it as <laughs> experiencing these things, right? Um, so it's a, it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing. But uh, so from, from these young age, from a young age of uh, being interested in, in horror, the paranormal, the occult, and and being envious of your friends who are having this experience. Uh, what uh, what happens next on your path? Yeah. So aside from continuously seeking out any haunted houses and motels and all these different things that I could along the way, but never having my own experience. Um, I also, as I said, struggled with addiction, and I got sober when I was twenty nine which is actually the time of our Saturn return. I don't know if you're familiar with astrology, but Saturn return is sort of like, um, it's kind of the moment in our life. Um, it happens every 29 years where we really kind of say, Oh, I think I came here for something. <laughs> it's like when we're like, wait, I, what was I, I came in this room. What was I supposed to do? It's like, you have that moment in this lifetime where you're like, I think I was supposed to be doing something else. Like there's something I'm meant to do. And so I had that moment and I realized 
I don't think I can be the person I want to be and do the things that I want to do if I keep using and drinking because it was really keeping me bogged down in these old traumas and addictions and all of that. So I decided to get sober, um, which was an arduous task and was very challenging, but ultimately, you know, a decision that I'm most grateful for. And it was in getting sober that I gained so much clarity, you know, all of that, you know, when you're stuck in an addiction, you're very much closed off energetically. It's very hard to receive and be connected with that, with what is around you, even physically, but especially like metaphysically when you're, you're stuck in that substance space. Um, and so when I got sober, it, it took time. I mean, it takes a while just to get back to normal. I'd say like the first year I was just, you know, trying to get by and learn how to live sober. But then as I began to, you know, sort of flourish, um, I went to therapy and I did 12 step groups that really helped me to sort of like release some of my shame and past. And it also challenges you to ask, what is your higher power? Which is a question I'd never really thought about because I wasn't religious and I didn't think I believed in a God. And so I, I really wasn't quite sure, but then I really started thinking more about it. And I actually came across a book that was, um, a big game changer for me, which is called conversations with God. Um, and that just talks a lot about one person's experience that they feel was a channeling of the source and that gave a lot of information about what we, what we're really doing here, who we are and what this life is all about. And I just really connected. It was like, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, of course, like, this is what I always felt and knew. And here it is like, someone's finally iterating it in this lifetime. And so I really took to that and it really took, made me take off in terms of thinking about like, well, what is going on here and what are we capable of? And why do we live this way? Why do we, as I was saying before, why do we live in this such a painful, destructive manner when we're really meant to like shine and we're these incredibly powerful, capable beings that are always worthy we're of infinite abundance, but yet we sell ourselves so short. And so I was thinking a lot about that. And as I started to sort of question those things, this is like, you know, as I got into like 2018, um, I was getting more moving away from the recovery part of things. A recovery will always be a part of my life, you know, just being of service and checking in on myself, but I was more in the spiritual growth part. And I was just very, you know, focused on this idea of what, what are we, and how can we really shift into what we're meant to be? And how can we connect with the energies around us that seem to be wanting this for us? There seems to be, you know, almost like people on the sidelines that are trying to like cheer us on and get us on the, a different path or a path towards our greatest uh, capability. So, and then th that's when synchronicity started because people started coming into my life that were way more aligned with these sort of ideas and way more, um, you know, rather than just sort of like the typical and nothing, not that there was anything wrong with it at all, but like, okay, you grow up and you go to school and you get married and then you settle down, have kids and, you know, you just make your way through life. People who are really thinkers about like, well, what is our potential in our, when are we going to change the way that we live here on this planet? Cause it's not working. And how do we change it? What does that mean? And I, so I started having more people like that come into my life. And, but what surprised me is at first it was like a lot of like social movement stuff, but then I had friends come into my life who were tarot readers or were spiritual coaches. And I was like, well, this is interesting. You know, maybe it's not just all about at a societal level. Maybe it's at a higher level about what I'm really drawn to and what I'm really looking to bring awareness towards in my lifetime. And so one of the biggest, biggest things for me, and actually I will say the greatest connection I feel to, um, to spirit connection is tarot. 
I had my first tarot reading 2019 when I was, Oh, what was I then? Like 32 or three or something. And a friend did it for me. And I was very averse at first because I'd never had a reading. I, I didn't really like the whole psychic thing. Cause I was like, ah, oh, someone's going to tell me that I'm going to die in a plane crash. Then I'll never go on a plane. Or they're going to tell me like, you know, this is how you meet someone. And then I'm going to think no one else is, you know what I mean? So I avoided all that stuff. And, but she did the reading for me and it was just so beautiful because it didn't actually, you know, sort of profitize anything. It just offered the energy that was coming through. It offered some ideas, some notions, and they aligned so strongly with where I was at my life. At that point, it was like, she had opened up, you know, like the door into my mind and my emotions and was telling me like, this is what you're processing. This is what's coming up for you. This is where you're at in your life. And I was like, wow, that's so spot on. And she was also an astrologer. And so she did, you know, my chart reading and just, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is, this sounds like who I am. Like, this is so wild. And so I began to meet more and more people like that. And then at the start of 2020, um, I had begun working with a spiritual coach and I got more into hypnosis and specifically past life regression, which is where you, someone can take you into hypnosis or you can do it on your own and you can go back to past lives because in, in my line of belief is that we reincarnation is very real and we are spirits, we're souls, and we live like infinite lifetimes. And we have sort of like a, a, a recent sort of trajectory path of lifetimes that we've lived that have led us to where we are now kind of working towards the work that we came here to do in this lifetime. So I started getting into that. And, um, on new year's Eve, 2019, I went and got a professional past life regression that brought me back to a lifetime where I was, um, I was a queen in Scotland in the middle ages. Um, which is interesting because I've always felt very drawn to that time, that time of like castles and Queens and Kings and Knights and all of that, like King Arthur, right. That kind of thing. I love that. Um, and so I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And in my regression, I was kind of the same archetype that I am in this life. I was a woman who was really looking to step out and speak her truth about what she believed to be true, but wasn't aligned with the times was kind of out of the box was kind of not um, convenient to the way things were currently going. It was sort of an idea of like, Hey, we need to not just be obsessed with like conquering and, you know, achieving more power. We need to really connect with the people and give people a voice and make sure that everyone's, you know, seen and cared for. And uh, of course my ideas were in this past life regression, were kind of knocked aside and I was very devastated. Anyways, that was kind of wild. And then immediately after that reading, I went to a new year's party, which was a friend of a friend's. And at the last second, my friend canceled, she wasn't going to go. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to go. And I was like, well, you know what? I have nothing else to do. So I go. And first of all, uh, this guy walks in who just like, Whoa, I like, I immediately saw him and I like took notice. And to this day, I think he was someone from a past life. And it was like, he entered stage left into this life. It was like, oh my gosh, it's him. And we ended up dating for a while and it ended up being kind of um, a tumultuous, very interesting relationship. But I think that's often the case when people that we've had past lives with come into this life, they're here to help us grow. So that was um, interesting. But also that evening um, after the ball dropped, uh, one of the, one of the other guests w- brought out a bunch of tarot decks. She said, okay, let's do some tarot readings. So she brought out like a whole slew of decks and she said, let's do a reading for you. And she said, which pick a deck, which one do you want? And one of them was 
King Arthur. It was Altharian tarot, that medieval style. And I kept looking at it, but it wasn't the coolest one. So I was like looking around, but she looked, she pointed to it and she said, you want this deck, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. how did you know? She's like, I just knew. And she did a reading for me. And when she was done, she said, this doesn't belong to me anymore. This is yours. And she handed me the deck and I was now the owner of a tarot deck. And that tarot deck was in this little box and it came with a full book of instructions that was, you're supposed to do it for a year. And every day it had a different spread to do different ways to engage with the cards, to learn about the cards. And so for that next year, and as we all know, I had a lot of time <laughs> to start a new uh, hobby. So it was all about tarot in 2020. And I, um, that deck was this beautiful, like forest green. And then as soon as I got home, I realized I'd gotten a calendar for 2020 and it was the same forest green. It's actually, I'm seeing your icon right now, Eric, and it looks like it's forest green, this little, your, um, saver for the, for the screen. It is indeed. Yes. <laughs> it's that exact color. So there's some more synchronicity for you. And I have a plate right next to me now that's the same color. So that's one thing I'd love to share with the audience. I color has that you don't really think about that, but color synchronicities are a powerful thing. It's almost like a path, right? A stepping stone. Look out for colors. If you feel drawn to a certain color uh, one day, one week, maybe a whole year, look for that color because it's almost guiding you towards where you're that's interesting. That is interesting. That's not one of the most common uh synchronicities that people pick up on, but at the same time, absolutely, you know, anything that can catch your attention, can become a big uh, synchronicity magnet, you know, used by the spirits and the spiritual realms to communicate with us. Um, yeah. I definitely want to delve into that. So how does, how does color synchronicity come through for you? And uh, can you give us some examples of how that comes through? Yeah, absolutely. Well, how I was just describing it's, it's happened like that ever since where I like, they'll just like, again, that whole year of 2020, there were so many different forest green things that would come into my life. And then the beginning of last year, I got a new planner for 2021 and it's this beautiful, um, like a deep, like a, um, a dark blue, what would you call it? It's more like a, a Royal blue or something. Um, but anyway, like this deep blue color, which I love blue. And then, um, I had a client who sent me flowers and it had this little, um, pin that said grit, grit, grit on it. And it was from you know, the woman who created this company, like had gone through a lot to establish it. So she sent these pens out with all of her flower orders. And the, the pen was the same exact deep blue color. And it was interesting because ever since the, since 2020, well, we've all been challenged since the start of this decade, you know, <laughs> but, um, that last year and this year has been a lot of challenges for me, a lot of growth, a lot of changes. And so grit has been a big theme, but those colors match. So it was like that year matched with this lapel that I was given with those colors. So to me, it was kind of like a guide from spirit saying, this is going to be a part, a big part for you is having grit in this time. So that was really cool. Wow. That is really curious. And it is one of these things, right? Where synchronicity is people so often focus on numbers and, mm -hmm. you know, birds and other kinds of symbols, but yeah. you know, color absolutely yeah. is so I a way into it. That. I love yeah. that. So how yeah. it, how find how it shows up and just like things that are maybe that come surprisingly into your life, or if you look around your home and you're kind of drawn to something also, of course, crystals. Um, I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of crystals. I keep a lot in my house. And if you notice that, um, like a, if somebody mentions a certain crystal and it's a certain color, that's a thing. Um, I've also had a, a thing where, um, 
especially now in the day of zoom, where you'll get in a zoom call with like eight people and you'll see that like five of you are wearing the exact same color. So every day we, when we decide what to wear, we're drawn to those colors for a reason because everything's a vibration, right? So even the colors you wear are setting a tone for that day, for the energy, darker colors are naturally going to be sort of a, sort of a lower, calmer vibration where more vibrant, um, brighter colors are going to obviously be higher energy. So, so often people unconsciously pick their outfits and don't, you know, don't think about it, but you might find that you're wearing the same color as somebody else you see that day, or again, see on a zoom call because you're both kind of vibing in the same place at that time. And that might be someone you might have interest in talking to. That is very curious. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I definitely, uh, I've noticed many days where Lauva and I step out and <laughs> are wearing the same colors. It's yeah. Like, okay, that's <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my. Did you guys oh arrange this? Nope. It, that's what happens. Cause you, well, you all are in the same household. You're both, you're in within the same energy field. So it makes sense that there's going to be times where you're matching. And usually it leads to a situation where it's like, well, one of us has got changed because we can't go out looking <laughs> yeah. identical. Right. So oh my. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's um that's very, very curious. So besides tarot and colors, how else has those have those messages from the universe kind of unfolded for you over the course of this uh, of this journey and as you've created Woman Waken? Yeah. Well, one piece I did leave out, um, was that what also happened in 2019 that I feel was the biggest catalyst towards the shift for me was, um, as I did become kind of more like socially conscious and all these things, um, I felt this call. I was, it was early 2019 and I, I was working for a clinic and I'd gotten a new job offer that was a better opportunity, a better location, all these different things. So I decided to take it and I thought, well, I want to go travel. You know, we, and it must have been my intuition telling me like, go travel now <laughs> before, you know, everything shuts down. Um, but I, I just felt like I want to go travel. I want to take a break between jobs and just go somewhere. I had never been to Europe and I have family in, um, in England. So I was like, well, why don't I go do a UK trip? I'll do. And I'd also already always felt very called to Scotland, Scotland, Ireland, England. I mean, it's where my heritage heritage is, but I just felt like a draw to those places. And now I know I had past lives there. Um, but also Glasgow is there, right. And Glasgow is in England and it's supposed to be, um, the heart chakra of the world. So, you know, again, as macro and micro, the world is, is just the macro form of an individual and the world itself has chakra points all across its surface. And one is in California, which is Mount Shasta, which is the root chakra. And again, the heart chakra is in, wait, am I saying, is it Glasgow or is that the place in in Scotland. What am I thinking of? Oh uh, yeah. Glasgow, here? Scotland. Okay. Uh, no, it, are you thinking, uh, um, Glastonbury? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. okay. Thank okay. you. Glastonbury, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Glastonbury is awesome. I've been there once and it is, it is fantastic. The tour. Oh, wow. Well, it's supposed to be one of the, like the, I mean, again, the heart chakra, but it's supposed to be one of the most powerfully spiritual sort of awakening places on the planet. Well, I mean, it's curious synchronicity wise, I can say that that actually was where my 
awakening was. I mean, I went there when I was 12 yeah. years old, you know, trip to England. And then the last day of the tour, last day in England, uh, we went on a, a tour to all these sacred sites, you know, Glastonbury, Stonehenge, Averbury, uh, Averbury Circle. And yeah, after that, we went to Chalice Well and the tour and everything. And I'd, after that, I was like, okay, I'm hooked. And that, that really is what led to my, you know, to me becoming the weird kid who went to the new age section of the, of the, uh, of the bookstores every day when, when I got back to Canada. Right. So uh, definitely, um, definitely woke me up for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a point I left out too, is rewind back there was a period of my life like early mid 20s where I was kind of having like um you know I still wasn't sober but I was having this moment of like you know what am I really all about like what do I want to do with my life that awful question that you ask in your 20s where like I don't know how to be an adult and I I'd moved to Seattle and I found this um this esoteric spiritual bookstore called East West Books and it became like my church like I just felt so drawn I just wanted to be in that space all the time there was just something about I mean now I know it felt like home, right? It felt like the truth. It felt like, oh, this is what I know to be real. So yeah. So I had, that was a part of my awakening too, was with a bookstore. So also seek out bookstores, people and books that books are a huge synchronicity too. They, they will find your way into a lot in find their way into your life for a reason. Oh, I was on mute there. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, bookstores are, you know, if places can be the the shocker points of the earth, well, certainly bookstores can be these kind of shocker places as well, because they they provide oh, yeah. this amazing foci, you know, this this locus around which all these people and their and their interactions can unfold in a way that's transformational. Uh, the the bookstore that, um, you know, besides hanging out in the new age sections of traditional bookstores uh there was a metaphysical store where i was growing up it was, it's called odyssey books in whitby ontario and it was absolutely this place that was incredibly transformational you know you start taking workshops there and it's just it it, it you know back in the day when we were doing all this stuff irl right in real life uh those kind of places were just incredible for for transformation yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just something so peaceful and profound about, um, bookstores and libraries, very peaceful, all that beautiful knowledge with, with, for the most part, with good intention Books absolutely. Are to share and help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of ideas whirling around and, uh, there's a lot of different rabbit holes and pathways that can, uh, that can develop from there. So yep. it sounds like you've had a very rich initiation experience, bringing you into the fold, guiding you along. Um, very, very fantastic developments as you're going. Um, there's a couple of questions that, that came up for me as we went, we went through this. And uh, the first, when it comes to uh, your past life work, how does that, um, do you find that that influences your present uh, experience or your present uh, spiritual work? And, uh, or, or do you kind of leave that in the past? Or do you find that that is actually uh, relevant to you now and informing you as you go through your life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I can answer that by getting back to my, my story about the UK and tying that into this, because I do feel like I was drawn there because of past lives. 
So um, I did end up going to the UK and it was when I was there that um, I just suddenly started having all these ideas about what now is sort of women waken, which is like the need for um, women to really come together and connect and talk and really bring forth something that's been suppressed for centuries, right? From women uh, longer than that, thousands of years. And um, so I, that, I think I definitely had past lives there. And I think that I was drawn there by my ancestors who were wanting me to remember, you know, because so much about our spiritual path is it's not about learning. It's about remembering, you know, why did we come here? What have we done before? And we may not have an exact, you know, knowledge of like, oh yeah, this is who I was exactly in a past life. But it's just so, sort of like this notion that comes to you, right? A notion or understanding about like, this is what was really important or this, what feels like really prevalent to me. So I think I'm going to follow it. Um, so I ended up coming back from that trip and I, I was just like really floored. And I was, I started women's group. I was like, I just want to bring women together and have them talk and see like, what do we think about the current situation? And what do we think about what's going to change it? And what are the things that we're not willing to bring forth? Cause we're still scared and traumatized from all the years of being, you know, murdered and, and, you know, burned at the stake first trying to share ideas that were not acceptable because, you know, as we know, it wasn't that long ago that when people tried to share just these general ideas of sort of more esoteric, mystical, spiritual things, there were, you know, people scream witchcraft and they were killed. And Absolutely. I think that that's, and- that really sticks with us. Generational trauma is when there's, you know, the things that we experience today, we always try to associate, well, what happened in this lifetime? that caused this, but there's our own lifetime, but also generational ancestry, because as you guys talk about, which is so beautiful is the idea of the, um, a spiritual ecosystem. So when we think about like, well, what are my past lives that led to who I am? Well, our past our who we are is never isolated. It's a whole, as you say, ecosystem. We're connected to so many different other spirits and souls, all of them ultimately, but we can have like our own little section that our specific lifetimes touch. Right. So who we are today is a huge part of not only our lives, but the lives that were other, the lives that touched our lives and all of that, that are interconnected. It definitely strikes me that a similar pattern is playing out through your life, right? That this pattern that you felt in your past life regression, and then the pattern that you're being called to proceed with, it's that desire to enact that pattern and at the same time now in the modern age while your past life was stymied in terms of you know she couldn't get any further with that with that pattern with that path it sounds like you are able to actually take actions towards creating that and working towards that goal in this life so that's uh that's got to feel good Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very exciting. And that was one of the biggest things that, um, you know, in the earlier days when I was first kind of exploring this, that the idea that kept coming up is you're safe now, you know, another thing that I've connected with spiritually is it's not just tarot, but through meditation and different things, I'll hear things, you know, um, sent sentience, right. There's all the different Claire's Claire. So Claire's, um, audience is when you hear things, right. That's right. Isn't it Claire audience? Yes. Yeah. Hearing. Yeah. So Claire is the different Claire's are really just different types of intuition, right? Different guides, different things that are coming through. And to me, that's the spirit realm can how it connects with us. It connects with us through all these different channels, 
It's your hearing, it's your thinking, it's your feeling, it's your knowing, it's your, even your sense of smell, all these different things. And I would hear things here and there that were, you know, like, what was that? Like, where did that come from? But one of them was, I kept hearing like, it's safe now. It's safe now. And I think what that is, is that, you know, yes, in this day and age, when you speak up and you say things that some people don't want to hear, you can get, you know, berated, you can get attacked. We have, you know, the internet now you can get, you know, torn apart by a billion different people. However, you're most likely not going to get again, tied up to a stake and burned or hauled away for speaking, um, your truth for speaking things that you believe are true and that other people might disagree with. So I think, and that's what a lot of women will agree with is that we're, we're in a time now where we won't be killed for our beliefs yet. We still have that generational trauma, past life trauma of this deep fear. Absolutely. You know, (laughs) something that, that comes to mind for me once in a while is the fact that even what we do at the spirit world center here. 300 years ago, 400 years ago, we'd be killed for it. (laughs) Right. And now it's, you know, now society might just look at us weird, you know, like, Oh, you're into that, like that weird Mm -hmm. metaphysical stuff. Okay. Well, you just go and be weird over there. You know, that's like the worst (laughs) that we get. Uh, We don't get the literally, okay. The power of the state is going to come down and kill you for what you're Mm -hmm. doing because we have to enforce orthodoxy. And so, (laughs) you know, it's, we got to count our blessings in, in terms of what we can do now. I mean, the, the, the modern world is pretty amazing in terms of, of all this. I mean, literally, if you are a, a spiritual practitioner, um, you know, you're not going to be suffer any kind of consequence. Well, it depends on where you are in the world, of course, right? But yeah. in, in the Western countries, at least, uh, you're not going to encounter people killing you for your beliefs or, or harassing you for your beliefs, the worst that you'll get in Western countries is if they make the case that you are acting fraudulently, let's say, right? Let's say you're, you're doing readings and you're committing fraud. For instance, in Canada here, we do have the occasional instance where someone gets uh, prosecuted for fraud who is uh, who's practicing, let's say, mediumship, right? But of course, in those cases, yeah, the fraud is pretty apparent, right? They, uh, this person goes, and I'm thinking one case in particular, uh, this woman uh, went to uh, a um, to someone who had lost a wife, I think, and started saying, okay, my wife is coming through and, oh, by the way, she was murdered and we have to uh, investigate the murder and, oh, you have to keep giving money. And, and, and somehow she was able to get like 150 grand out of this guy. Uh, so, I mean, wow. yeah, you know, um, there is certainly people in metaphysical stuff who are being bad. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> definitely getting Just like trouble. anything else. There's, yeah. You know. you know, but we don't get okay. it for our beliefs. And I think that is a huge, huge change in terms of human history. Absolutely. And we really need to, it's important to recognize that and give ourselves credit for that because rightfully so, you know, there are a lot of frustrating things about these times. And there is a lot of ways where we say everything is just such a mess and, you know, everything's just a disaster, but we do have to look at, even though, you know, we're, we're having a hard time figuring out how to run this ship it's a lot better than it was 300 years ago, 3000 years ago. You know, I mean, we can, we can know for the most part that, you know, when we come into agreements and, you know, legal agreements and these things, not always, like you said, there's always going to be a mixed bag about whether people 
uh, adhere to morals and ethics in their own conduct, but we can rely that, okay, systems will try to work for us. Where back in the day, it was like, eh, I don't feel like helping you anymore. I'm going to kill you. So I can just keep all this money for myself, <laughs> you know? probably still happens, but not at the same scale. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, we're at a much better time in so many ways. Um, and that people can speak freely. And and like you said, even though they might be a little bit shunned, um, they're not going to be silenced anymore. Absolutely. And a a conversation that I definitely want to have, uh, before we, before we get to the end here is regarding addictions, because first off, addictions is something that you specialize in and that you have your own experiences in. And so I'd really love to know if you have any insight suggestions for people who are either overcoming their own addictions or those who have, who have other people in their life who have addiction, any kind of insight or guidance that you have for them, especially any guidance that is coming from what you've learned in your own spiritual journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing that I like to offer anyone, um, that's struggling with that is I know that when I was at the peak of my addiction, right before I got sober, um, I always, um, say that it was like, I felt like I was like, I was like a hundred miles from myself, you know, like I'd lost my, I'd really like disconnected and just trying to get as far away from myself as I could. And when you decide to get sober, it's sort of like turning around and taking that long walk back to yourself. And so, but there, there's a term that people use when it comes to your soul and they call it the, the silver cord that are, we're always connected to our soul. So I offer this because no matter how far you feel you've gotten from yourself in addiction, in a disorder, in, I mean, even like an abusive situation, you're never disconnected from your true essence. And you can always make that turn and come back to yourself. And just as we've been speaking about in this show, once you set your intention, once you speak it and ask the universe for it, the universe will always offer ways to achieve what you're asking for. And so I think the biggest thing is, I mean, obviously we first have to acknowledge, right. What's going on. Cause if we try to deny it and not look at it, there's no way that it's going to resolve. But you know, to your point, whoever's might be seeking out some guidance is probably knowing, I think there's a problem here. I'm not sure what to do. See if you can take that first step, that first turning back to yourself and ask, what would it take to try and get back to myself? Do I need to go see somebody professionally, go see a therapist? You know, do I need to just take some time and journal about this and, you know, look at the situation more clearly? Um, do I need to seek out a group? What is it? And, but it, you know, the biggest thing first is just identifying what's really going on where, and where, where is it coming from and what's, what's kind of going on. So I think that that's what I'd like to share just because, um, it is such a lonely and scary place, depending on how deep into it you are. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, people are all across the spectrum. Sometimes you're just realizing, you know, I think, I think I have a problem with this and I think this is kind of developing. It's still pretty small, but it feels like it could get bigger. And so I would say that's somebody who's like not too far from themselves yet. Like there's just like, maybe like starting to stray from themselves. And that's the best thing to really reconnect with. Is this aligned with who you really are asking yourself? Like, what would it, what would it look like if I let this thing go for my life? Would it be better or would it be worse? You know, does this being in my life, keep me from being the person I want to be? So 
I would, I would, the one thing I would offer is, is it's time to ask some questions. You know, what am I needing? What is the situation? And what do I want to do from here? You know, I, I can definitely relate to that. I definitely spent about two years of my life where I fell pretty deeply into um, the use of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, at the end of that, I definitely, what got me out of it was everything came together so I could take a, a really long, hard look at my life. And, mm-hmm. and basically, you know, I was dulling myself and, and I basically looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, where am I actually, what am I doing? What is my life? Like I, I really took this long, long, hard look at my life. And that is exactly what led me to say, okay, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. And, and led yeah. me to say, okay, nope, I got to become the person I want to be because I am not content with how far from myself I have gotten here. So I can definitely relate to what you're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. That's what the, that's the value in asking those questions and taking that time is you let yourself see, you know, cause anything that at any time in our life, we have to, you know, everything that we do contributes to our, our next step in our path. There's, you know, there's nothing that doesn't have an influence on where we're going. And you know, similar to what you asked, I know that when I was considering getting sober, the biggest things for me that just kept coming up with drinking was, I don't think I can respect myself uh, when I drink. I don't think that I can be someone who really respects themselves because I couldn't trust myself. And I would keep doing the same things over and over that I said I wouldn't do. And I was like, I thought, you know, you, if you had a relationship with someone and you, and you couldn't trust them and they, they did things you didn't respect, how is that relationship going to work? Those are two very fundamental factors in a healthy relationship. And we very much have a relationship with ourselves. We often don't think so, but we have to think about how am I treating myself? How am I conducting myself? How am I working with myself? And a lot of the times drugs and alcohol just aren't great companions in terms of being able to be in that place of respect and trust and that person that we really want to be. And it seems to me the catch 22 there as well is that you lose respect for yourself and so, and who you become and the danger is, okay, now you're using the alcohol again to numb that feeling of loss of respect for yourself. And that's a downward spiral, right? And I can definitely relate to, to that as well. That's That's uh, the exact, exact downward spiral of an addiction where it's this compounded shame, compounded trauma where you, you started to drink to feel better because of certain things that happened. But then as you drink, you start, you keep doing more things that make you feel shameful, that make you feel bad about yourself. And then you drink to get away from that. And then that's why it's just this deep hole. And that's my heart goes out to anyone who's at that deepest point of addiction. Cause it feels, I, you know, I just remember feeling like it was so far gone. And I was like, how am I ever going to get back to a place where I feel connected and good about myself? Cause I feel like I've gone too far. And the thing is, you have to start somewhere, right? You just have to start and it's going to take a long time to get there, but it'll take as long as it takes, right? That's another thing that you have to realize. It's better to be working to, 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 working to succeed on that path rather than, than giving up, right? But that's, that's yeah. tough and that can require a lot of strong arms around you, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I, you know, I really believe in a world, you know, hundreds of years from now, and there's a, a term in, in, well, you know, you're, uh, so you're the shaman, you're the shaman guy. <laughs> you guys are really big into shamanism. That's your whole thing, which is beautiful. But the shamanic term of seven generations, right. Mm. Where what we're doing today is not so much about, okay, well, what do I get to see from this now? It's what, how is this going to help create a different world in seven generations? So that seven generations from now, people aren't struggling with addiction because they know their true inherent value and worth, and they would never do anything to try to change the way they feel because, because of their feelings of worth, worthlessness or unlovability or shame, because those will be things of the past because we'll be raised knowing we are always of intrinsic and inherent value and complete worth and perfection just as we are. And there's nothing we ever had to do to prove that because once we change that belief and notion, we don't think that, oh my God, because I'm not impressive, attractive, you know, successful, any of these things, I'm, I'm, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. When we are able to change that belief, then we, we don't seek out the means to soothe these problems that we've created. Right. So that's the world that I dream of is, you know, cause I, I think like so many other people, when I think about having kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, but I don't want them to go through this. <laughs> I don't want them to have to have this experience. So my work, what keeps me going is the belief that, well, what can I do in this lifetime? So that lifetimes from now, people are living in a totally different way. That's much more conducive to well-being and happiness. Well, this is something that strikes me about the work that you're doing bringing the divine feminine back in. I think this is, is something that will really help people over time. And that is bringing meaning back to existence that we, unfortunately at this time in history, we very much live in a world where there is no, there's no deeper spiritual meaning that we are being exposed to early on. And so instead we, we fall into uh, narcissism and into this, this, well, this meaningless um, uh, uh, the fear of, uh, of, of existence. And so bringing that meaning back in, bringing the divine feminine, um, I would say even bringing the divine masculine back in, because oh, yeah. I don't think we even, we have masculine, but it's this egoic, transformed, reduced and destroyed masculinity that we have. Um, and, you know, bringing back in the divine parts of ourselves, bringing that meaning back in can, can have such a change that it will get rid of the enemy it will get rid of the uh the absolute the place that we've been reduced to you know and i feel like that will yeah. certainly help as well absolutely absolutely and that's what i see completely you know when i think of the divine masculine and feminine it truly is like the mother mother earth mother goddess and 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 father god you know it's this idea of those that care about us unconditionally, this, this essence that, um, you know, knows of our inherent value. That's always offering love, support, and kindness. And I think that the world we see now is the result of the lack of that belief because there's, there's not one client I've worked with, or most people in my life who don't through a lot of their life ask, do I even matter? Does anybody even really care about me? Does anyone really even see me or, you know, do, do I matter? I think that's such a big question that most of us ask because we're not raised with this idea of like a divine mother or divine energy. That's again, that we're inherently loved and accepted by 
that's always, you know, like, oh, you're into this world and you're a beautiful being and you're always loved and supported. It's again, like from the second you're born, it's conditionality. It's like, well, I don't know, like, you know, what side of town were you born on? What do you look like? What do you, you know, what's this, what's that? And then we say, oh my gosh, like, well, I don't have those things. So I guess I don't matter. And the world will tell us, yeah, you don't. But when we're connected with that, you know, with the divine feminine energy, it's, it's like we have the return of that, you know, mother earth of the goddess that says that, you know, allows us to know, of course we matter. I, I completely, completely agree. And that's something that we get through journeying and channeling so much is just this idea. You matter, you matter, stop yeah. thinking you don't matter. You matter. And, you, matter. you know, anytime you're feeling bad or down on yourself, the spirits are so quick to remind us, no, 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 you matter. Don't worry about it. You know, it's uh, this allegory we got from channeling of the idea of a, a sapling, you know, this small tree, this baby tree, right? No one, but a complete psychopath goes up to that sapling and says, you're so small. You're pathetic. You're not even a full-grown tree yet. You're just, you're just ridiculously bad. You know, I mean, <laughs> maybe a psychopath would, but like most people, they go up and they look at the sapling and they say, what a nice little sapling, because the, it is good and, and valuable and, and, and worthy as it is. And yes, of course, there is the, the assumption that that sapling is in the stages of growth, right? Eventually it's going to be this big tree, but it's not like it has to get to that big tree status in order to be worthy. It's worthy right now and in every moment along its path. And yes. that, you know, that's one of the, the biggest realizations to have. And I love the fact that this divine feminine energy that you're working with is, is helping to remind people of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I just came to me is that, you know, when I see again, like this, like divine masculine and feminine, like, I feel like the divine feminine is that which inspires, like from the second that you're a sapling, that you will always, your inherent worth will never change. Because even I was actually in Big Sur yesterday and I was driving through those, um, the giant redwoods, which are so amazing. And I was, you know, I stopped at this park and was reading one of the signs that said, these were once seeds that were planted a thousand years ago. I was like, oh my God. And now there are these ginormous trees. They're so freaking big. It's crazy, right? It's amazing what we're capable of from one little seed. And so again, to me, the divine feminine is that which says, you know, build your roots and know that, you know, you will, you can grow to whatever you want, but don't forget that you will always need your roots, that you will always need love and acceptance and balance and harmony from the very beginning and for always. And to me, the masculine is the part that says, and you can grow to be whatever you want. You can grow to the highest heights, to the most tremendous things all in, you know, the name of sacredness and love, but you can do whatever you want. So those, those two forces together are so beautiful. But again, I think what we've seen is this flip from the sort of the sacred and divine aspects of masculine and feminine to more of um, you know, I guess you could just call it sort of, sort of more physicality, more focused, more egoic, right? It's egoic divine, um, feminine, and masculine, right? Where it's Absolutely. more about like, about like, well, yeah, but we're going to measure everything you do. And well, you know, you'll be taken care of if like, you'll have, you know, it's just very, it, the, the essences are there, but there again, it's, it all comes back to conditionality. They're there, but only if you deserve it, but that's not the divine knows that you are always deserving. 
And I think that's the distinction that we're, we're making a shift into right now on our planet. We're shifting from that, which is egoic into that, which is divine and realizing we were divine this whole dang time. And we didn't have to use this measuring stick to decide whether or not we were worthy. We don't have to do that anymore. It's going to take time to shift that, but I do believe it's happening. Absolutely. You know, those divine, the, the, those feminine energies, the masculine energies, they come through in both those egoic and those divine higher self ways. And, and one thing I find is you can really kind of tell whether something is coming from the ego or from your divine nature, your higher self. And I find that is when you, when you look at your intention or your actions or your desires, and you ask, are these coming from a place of uh, fear and doubt and worry and hatred, these types of negative emotions, or is it coming from a place of love and trust? And I really find that if you can just focus on those intentions and actions and desires that are coming from a place of love and trust, you can really overcome your ego and kind of parse out and, and separate things that are coming from the ego and kind of overcome them. And, uh, you know, when, I would definitely think that when you are working with masculine and feminine energies, when they are imbued with that love and that trust in existence, well, you're on to something good. Yeah. Yeah. Something really profound. And that's where the real, real rewards are. You know, I think that's the irony also is that we, we indulge in the ego because it gives a quick result, right? It all comes back to the same. It's just like, that's the nature of addiction. We get caught up in addiction because right away you take a sip of alcohol and right away you get a little bit of relief as opposed to, you know, doing something that's actually more, you know, not synthetic, you know, yoga meditation, something that brings you down to a calmer state that takes some work. Um, so the ego is that quick fix. It's like, well, this makes me feel better, right? It makes me feel validated. It makes me feel acknowledged right away. And so we think that's the real deal. But as you just spoke to that really, you know, profound, love and achievement is, is divine. That's what is, um, what's really, really sustains us, right. Nurtures us, but we haven't made that leap yet. We haven't made, we haven't been able to let go of the ego. Cause as you were talking, the other thing I was thinking about is that, you know, I've been sober for what, like seven years now, but let me tell you, I have, I've had plenty more addictions since then there, you can be addicted to anything and they're all ego-based. You know, it, there, there can always be more of something you can achieve or obtain or get right. And when you, it's, it can be really hard to let go of the ego. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is that I think we do all need to be patient with ourselves because as great as our aspirations to be much more spiritual divine beings, you know, that, that conditionality is always going to kind of nag at us because we were born with it. I mean, talk about generational, you know, trauma and generational, um, work we've been, humans have been focused on the ego since our inception, right? I mean, we, we've known, we've always been attached to spirit. And I think we used to be much more connected with source. I think we've gotten more disconnected in recent um, centuries. Um, however, for those, you know, hundreds of years of lifetimes, we've been totally focused on ego, right? So it makes sense that it's going to be hard to just let, to be like, oh, I don't care anymore about my achievements. I just know that I'm perfect as I am. It's, it's a, like you said, it takes its time. 
Absolutely. And another thing that I always bear in mind is you got to have some compassion for the ego as well. You know, it's, it's there. It, yeah. it does have its purpose. It helps keep you alive in many Absolutely. ways. And, Absolutely. and so instead of focusing on this us and them mentality of destroying the ego or instead think of it as, you know, that you are, um, working with it and creating a more harmonious relationship where you can work yeah. towards your divine goals and you are harnessing your ego to work with you, right? It's, uh, it's this idea of, uh, you know, the word yoga, right? It means uh, to yoke, right? It's like taking a, a wild ox and you, you help to tame it. And eventually you can put a yoke on it so it can pull a plow and mm -hmm. it can help you in achieving your goals, right? It's not the enemy, but it's something that's wild and untamed and you can help to, to bring it under, uh, under some control that benefits both of you because it is engaging in a much better relationship and, and, and work. And at the same time, it's helping you achieve your own divine goals. So it's, you know, it's not this us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. It can be very much a, a we working together. Absolutely. And it always is, you know, and I'm a big believer in that and not condemning anything because everything is under the same and it's all still part of source. There's nothing here on this planet that's present. That is true. I don't believe that is like true evil disconnected from source. It's just something that's gone so far. What we might call it the dark side or detached from source that it's kind of lost its real meaning. And it's gotten lost in the ego, right? You can get lost in the ego. It doesn't mean it's bad. Just as you said, you know, you can get lost in anything a lot of things you can get addicted to are not inherently bad. Food's not bad. Sex isn't bad. But if you develop an addiction, it just becomes problematic because it affects your life. It has a negative impact on your life. Same with the ego, our ego. We wouldn't be alive without our ego. The ego is that which has a sense of self. And we come into this world on this plane to have a sense of self. It's an, a unique experience in the cosmos. Not everywhere does one have that, right? As you know, like the, again, the ecosystem, a lot of experiences, um, are of being one of not being an autonomous self. That's, this is a unique ride that we're taking in order to do so. You got to have an ego. It's just when the ego gets inflated and we think that we are our ego, that's all we are. And we sort of get distorted in that way. And, you know, we pay the biggest price for that. Cause again, as we were saying earlier, the greatest joys come from true divine connection, never from ego endeavors. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, something that strikes me, yeah, the ego keeps us alive. And in fact, there's a lot of, let's say, programs running in the ego that are ancient and that kept us alive in the past and that turn problematic nowadays because of the conditions we find ourselves in. Uh, an example I always go back to is uh, any kind of compulsive eating, right? Let's say food addiction. And you know, back in the day when food was scarce, like let's say when we're, you know, wandering the savannah, well, you you had the ego had a very good reason to make you want to eat as much as possible in as short a short period of time so that you got those nutrients into you before anyone else was there. And you know, that you 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 did this. Um and now the problem is that, well, you know, when the ego encountered things like fats and salts and all this, it would bring in those kind of compulsive eating subroutines back in the day. But now things that have lots of fat and salt in it and sugars, 
they are very plentiful. And so that kind of ego uh, survival uh, uh, programming gets us into trouble. <laughs> it gets us into trouble very quickly. And it's not like there's anything wrong with you if you are having these kind of compulsive relationship with food. Uh, it, in fact, it, you have a, a healthy ego because it would have kept you alive a million years ago. But uh, at the same time, it's something that you need to help uh, shift because it's not helpful in today's uh, today's society. It, it's you know it's, it's something that is a helpful program in some situations, but it, it can be misfiring in the modern age. Um, what do you think of that kind of idea? Oh yeah, completely. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, the, the ego has good intentions. It has good intentions. It's again, it's it's trying to keep us alive, like you said. Um, and I completely agree. Um, as someone who struggles has struggled horrendously throughout my life with compulsive and overeating. Um, you know, it feels almost like you're possessed. It's a, you know, but I think it does come, I think it comes from a lot of things. It is an addiction. So part of it is trying to, you know, escape and soothe certain feelings. But another part of it is, you know, like you said, that sort of an inherent drive to keep ourselves alive and that we, for a long time, you know, maybe in a past life, we were want for food. We didn't have enough. We needed to sort of take in as much as we could when we had access to it. So it's, it's a lot of things that play here. Um, and you know, but something that once served us might not serve us now. So that's, that's where it becomes a matter of discernment and making changes for your highest good. But yeah, I I do think that it's, um, you know, that the, the ego is, is always does have good intentions. It's just, I mean, it's really just a tool and we decide how much power we give it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Whitney, we're coming up on the hour here. Is there any message that you would like to leave the, the listeners with? Oh my goodness. I know it's There's a big so question many. and I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's the message I want to put out there is that when I have a vision, my vision of us as a species at this moment in time is we're like this mosaic and in order for this truly bright, beautiful picture to be seen, you need every single piece to be in place with its own unique shape and texture and colors that it's bringing into this picture. And that means you. So every single person has their own unique light to shine. And if they don't let it shine, then we're not going to have our full expression out into the universe which is what every single system species is. It's a, this light out into the universe. And my belief is that, you know, we often feel alone in the universe. Um, and I think it's because we're not working together to let our light shine so that others can see that we're really here and feel safe approaching us. Um, so, you know, that goes to say you have a light and see what it is, you know, what is that gift? It's sort of almost like also like a lighthouse analogy where, you know, what light are you sending out so that you're seeing, so that you're, you know, putting your unique energy out to the world, unique, unique gift. And remember that everyone has them without exception. Cause I, I, I speak from someone who's felt that way. Like I didn't have anything to offer that I wasn't worthy and who works with people all the time who feel that way. It's, it's really a, you know, an epidemic of unworthiness on our planet, but we all are of great worth. And so are you. So get curious, you know, from everything we've shared today, start listening, look up the, the clairs, look up your different senses, look up ways that you connect with the world around you, the spirit world. Um, the spirit world wants you to tap into your gifts. 
that's like its greatest joy is for you to really find and utilize your true purpose and abilities in this plane. So yeah, get curious, get connected and, and, you know, do things that bring you joy because that's often an indication that you're working from your gifts. I love that. I love that. You know, which is what you're doing, Eric, you're working from your gifts. That's how you've established this awesome center that you have. Ah, uh, well, thank you so much. And I think that that's exactly what you're doing center. as well. You know, one of these things, it, it brings to mind the idea that if you, if you act on your own authenticity, and if you, you know, broadcast that to the world, and you just are your own authentic self, well, suddenly, you inspire others to start being their authentic selves as well. And they find their patterns, and they find their, their truths, and it allows them to to be who they they need to be. And I think you absolutely are doing wonderful work to bring people towards that goal. So I, I give you lots of uh, commendations, lots of kudos on that. Oh, thanks, Eric. Right back at you. Same to you. So Whitney, where can people find all of your websites and social media? And uh, what do you have going on there? Yeah, so you can find me at womenwaken.com. And that has links to my podcast, but you can find my podcast on Apple, on Spotify, on all the platforms. It's just the women waken podcast. And currently those are my, I don't, I don't do the other social medias. Um, but you can find me there. You can message me through my websites. Um, you can check out the podcast. If anybody is tapped into their gifts and bringing them into the world, let me know. I want to have you on my show and yeah, I hope to connect with lots of you. Excellent. Well, we'll have your website information down below in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, Whitney, thank you so much for joining me on the Spirit World Center podcast. This has been an absolute blast.